Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 8 of Genesis chapter 6. And we're continuing to look at verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. In our last study, um, at the close, we saw that mighty men in the book of Jeremiah referred to the assault of Babylon. The Babylonians were said to be mighty men, and that was not accidental or coincidental. It was God's purpose to indicate that it's those people within the churches that were as tares, they're unsaved within the congregations, that identify with mighty men. It says in Jeremiah 49, beginning in verse 20, Therefore hear the counsel of Jehovah that he has taken against Edom and his purposes, that he has purposed against the inhabitants of Teman. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he shall make their habitations desolate with them. And verse 22, Behold, he shall come up and fly as the eagle and spread his wings over Basra. And at that day shall the heart of the mighty men of Edom be as the heart of a woman in her pangs. Edom is Esau, who also identify with professed Christians within the corporate church. And God speaks of them as mighty men. Yet in this case, it's mighty men that are... um, They're in their pangs like a woman. In Jeremiah 51, again, reference to Babylon. Jeremiah 51, verse 55 through 57. Because Jehovah has spoiled Babylon and destroyed out of her the great voice, when her waves do roar like great waters, a noise of their voice is uttered. Because the spoiler has come upon her, even upon Babylon, and her mighty men are taken. Her mighty men are taken. Every one of their bows is broken. For Jehovah, God of recompenses, shall surely requite. And will make drunk her princes and her wise men, her captains and her rulers and her mighty men. And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the king, whose name is Jehovah of hosts. It's a judgment upon the mighty men of Babylon who identify with princes and wise and captains. In Zephaniah chapter 1, a chapter where the Lord goes into a good deal of detail to describe Judgment Day, he says in Zephaniah 1, Verse 14, the great day of Jehovah is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of Jehovah, 
the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. And so in our verse in Genesis chapter 6, there were mighty men of old, just like there are mighty men today, spiritually, God again would relate being a mighty man to someone who has identification with the name of Christian and with the word of God. And and so here at the end of verse 4, the same became mighty men. They, they are the mixture, the children born to sons of God and daughters of men, which were of old men of renown. Now the Hebrew word renown is 80-34. And it's found a, a few times. And we'll see how it's used and, and what it really means. But first, let's go to Numbers chapter 1. Numbers 1. And I'll start reading in verse 5. So we see who's in view, who is being discussed. In Numbers 1, 5. It says, and these are the names of the men that shall stand with you. Of the tribe of Reuben, Eliezer, the son of Shadir, of Simeon, Shalumiel, the son of Zerishadai, of Judah, Nation, the son of Amminadab, and then it says of Issachar, and so forth. Um, it's all the tribes of Israel, or the various tribes, and and the names of men that would stand it said, and then in verse 16, after listing the tribes and these men, it says, these were the renowned of the congregation, princes of the tribes of their fathers, heads of thousands in Israel. These were the renowned of the congregation. Now, that's a different Hebrew word, uh, renowned. It's 7148. Again, back in Genesis, the Hebrew word is 80-34, So this is a different word, but it is used in connection with our word in Numbers 16. Numbers 16, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, two hundred and fifty princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And the word renown in Numbers 16.2 is the same Hebrew word as back in Genesis 6.4, 8.0.3.4. But the word famous is 7148, which was translated as renowned in Numbers chapter 1. And it's only used three times in the Old Testament. Um, once as renowned and twice as famous. And so the 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Now, when someone's famous, actually it's used in a similar way as we use it today, what does it mean? Well, it means that whether it's a sports personality or a movie star or a politician, 
that people know this person and the person has a sort of of power and authority because they are known. It, it, it sort of has that type of idea. And these men were princes. They, they were princes of the congregation, were princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. That is, in the wilderness, these men were leaders over Israel. And probably they had been leaders even in Egypt. Uh, their families were important. They, they were prominent in their families and they ruled over the people. That's what it said back in Numbers 1, princes and heads of thousands. These men were rulers over other Israelites. We, we would say in the church age, they were pastors. They were elders. They would direct the congregation and even uses the word congregation and assembly, similar words that we use with churches. The 250 princes of the assembly, famous, were renowned in the congregation, men of renown. And these men, 250 of them, which is a lot, rose up, it says in verse 3, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and Jehovah is among them. Wherefore then lift ye yourselves above the congregation of Jehovah. See, these men were the famous ones. They were the leaders of Israel, and yet, God did something in delivering the Israelites out of their bondage, out of their captivity, out of that cruel, hard labor that they had been experiencing in Egypt. And God didn't really use these men, did he? When when we read the account in the book of Exodus, you know, God came to Moses and, and then God said, well, Aaron can be your mouthpiece. I'll speak to you, and you speak to Aaron. I'll put words in your mouth. You put words in Aaron's mouth. And the rod. And that was it. That's how God delivered through his mighty power. He used two men, primarily, and he sent them to Pharaoh. And he didn't didn't come to the princes of the congregation, to the men of renown. He went to these two uh, Levites. And he just used them. And, of course, God wrought the great deliverance. And and they all came out. Everyone was deliriously happy at first for a very short while until the hot sun started beating down and uh, the food supply wasn't certain. Water wasn't certain. And, of course, they... The judgment of wandering for 40 years due to the evil report from 12 spies, more than likely men of renown, um, 
famous in the congregation also, who came back with the evil, well, 10 out of the 12, excuse me, came back with the evil report. Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. And so these men were uh, frustrated. They, They were frustrated. They were not able to exercise their authority and power that they could have when they were in Egypt. And, and now in the wilderness, Moses is, is speaking to God and God is laying down the law and, and Moses is relaying the law to the people that God has said. And, you know, they can't see God. They just see Moses and, and they hear Moses speak. And, and so they get the wrong idea. That because a man, Moses and Aaron, are the ones telling them what to do, what the commandments of God are, that it's actually Moses and Aaron that are doing it. You can see that with what, with what they say to them. Again, in verse three, they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and Jehovah is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of Jehovah. You can hear their pride, their offense, that these men, who are apparently not princes in the congregation, they're not men of renown, famous men, that they are the ones giving the orders and and relaying the commandments, and they're accusing them of basically trying to set themselves up as kings or as rulers who possess no power or authority to rule. And so they're being accused and, and charged. Uh, well, we, we know what happens. Um in verse 31 of number 16, the Lord told everyone to separate from these men. Verse 31, And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking, all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods, they And all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from Jehovah, and consumed the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense." And so God made it known that they were under his wrath. These famous men in the congregation, men of renown, were leaders in Israel, princes, heads over thousands, and yet they were never saved. They were under the wrath of God. And when they attempted to usurp the proper authority that Moses had given to him by God himself and Aaron, then God judged them. God 
destroyed them with fire. And when you're destroyed with fire, that, that's a, a big indicator that, that you were never saved, but under the wrath of God. Now we know, um, uh, that the 250 were, uh, tied together with 14,700 others that died in a plague. And it says in verse 49 of number 16, now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And so we add 14,700 and 250, we get 14,950, which works out to a very um, significant numbers of 5 times 10 times 13 times 23. So God definitely has the atoning work of Christ in view and completeness at the end of the world, the number 13, and the time of great tribulation, the number 23. He will destroy the wicked. He will destroy the mighty men, the men of renown during the great tribulation. And again, that would relate to those that that have the name now now let's look at what the word renown the hebrew word actually means again it's 8034 and it's used in genesis 5 actually it's used many times in genesis but in genesis 5 verse 2 it says male and female created he them and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And then also in verse 3, And Adam lived a 130 years, and begat a son in his own likeness, and after his image, and called his name Seth. Also, in verse 29 of Genesis 5, And he called his name Noah. It's the word name. Remember, we... When going through the genealogies, we said there was a clue phrase, Kara Shem, called his name, or called name. But that, that would indicate an immediate father-son relationship. Well, Shem is 8034, name. And, and so when God says uh, of these children that were born to the daughters of men, um, and to the sons of God, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Literally, it means men of a name, men of a name. And what is the name? Well, uh, it, it's obvious uh, that it's the name of God in Isaiah four. In verse one. And in that day, seven women, and the seven women here would relate to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. And the seven churches uh, signify the entire corporate church. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. The man is the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, We will eat our own bread, not Christ's bread, not your bread, God, but we'll eat our own bread, and bread identifies with doctrine. We'll come up with our own doctrine. And wear our own apparel, 
That is, we're, we're not going to submit to the idea that we're saved by the faith of Christ and salvation is all your work and, and, and it's all Christ's righteousness and every, everything he has done. But we will develop our own salvation program. We will obtain our own righteousness and we will wear that as our apparel. So here, they're, they're taking hold of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and they're starting out by saying, we don't want your true gospel and we don't want your righteousness, but we want our own gospel and our own righteousness. Yet they, they do say at the end of verse one, only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. That is, let us be called by uh, renown. Let, let us have this name of renown. The, the, let us be like famous in the congregation and be men of a name. The, the name of Christ, the name Christian, we, we want that name. And, and it is true that you can look at a world full of corrupt churches today and it is a world full of corrupt churches today. And you will see that they do eat their own bread. And they do put on their own apparel. They, they, they don't want the true and right doctrine of the Bible, of Christ. They don't want his righteousness. But they do want his name. And, and so the Pentecostal churches call themselves Christian. And the, uh, the, the Lutherans call themselves Christian and, and, uh, the independent churches call themselves Christian. Those that add to the Bible call themselves Christian. Those that take away from the Bible call themselves Christian and, and, and so on and so on and so on. But we want your name. They still want to be men of a name. Men of renown. And, and it's just the same today as it was in ancient times. In the times before the flood, there were these mighty men, men of old, men of a name. They were in the line of God. They had a name or a reputation for being aligned with the true God, the, the creator, the one who created all things. And, and, and yet notice that God is emphasizing them, the, this whole coming together of sons of God and daughters of men to produce mighty men, men of a name in the, uh, in, in the preliminary, um, movement towards the final destruction of the flood. That is, he's setting up the historical parable of the flood by revealing the spiritual condition of the world of that time is one of apostasy. They were fallen away from truth. They they were just like the corporate church at the end of time. And then God would come in judgment, which the flood typified the final judgment of the world. 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.